Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, bonus episode time. You ready to go? Recording on a Monday. Absolutely. Monday at lunchtime, we sit here recording. We, we promise you guys in the week four recap, we, we've gotten a bunch of, of listener questions. We really appreciate those. We wanted to make sure that we got those in. Uh, so we're going to start with those, but then Mike, it also felt like this might be a good time. You know, we're, we're only a third of the way through the season, but there has been a lot of discussion about what, you know, what, is, what issues the ACC is having right now, uh, what, like what has led us to where we are. Um, and so we just wanted to take a couple minutes and kind of deep dive that, but we did want to start with our listener questions. Uh, the first one comes from a new, uh, someone he's been listening for a while, but uh, first time I think we've gotten a question from him, uh, Mr. Ethan Crockett uh, says, Hey guys, this is my third season listening to the podcast, and I love the content you guys crank out weekly. Thank you, Ethan. Uh, I have a question for a future mailbag episode. For your respective teams, Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech, if you could poach one offensive and one defensive player from another ACC team, not named Sam Howell, who would it be? Personally, I would choose Jameer Gibbs and James Skalski, but would love to know your thoughts. Love the podcast, guys. Keep it up. Thank you for your your kind words and for your your question here, Ethan. Mike, do you have any immediate thoughts here for Virginia Tech? Yeah, I do. Uh, at quarterback, it would be Brian Armstrong. Brian Armstrong would be really good in Brad Cornelson's offense. Um, and if there are you know, Virginia Tech fans out there who said they wouldn't like Brian Armstrong on their team, they're lying. They've seen the quarterback play in the first month of the season. I was, uh, was going to say, you heard that right, folks. The Virginia Tech guy says he yep. wants Virginia's quarterback. Yep, I want Virginia's quarterback. He would be perfect in Brad Cornelson's scheme. This is, he's got the same body type as Gerard Evans. He's the battering ram, running type quarterback with a pretty decent arm that does just enough in the passing game to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. This is perfect. He would be absolutely perfect in Brad Cornelson's offense. He is literally Gerard Evans 2.0, except he's a lefty. Uh, defensively, this is pretty easy for me. Brian Brissy, obviously, when he's healthy. Uh, Virginia Tech is, yes, they got Jordan Williams from Clemson's defensive line. I would like another one of those guys, a guy with a, a bit higher ceiling. Jordan Williams has been good for Virginia Tech through the first month, so I'm not trying to slander him. Uh, but I would really like another really solid interior defensive lineman. I think Brian Brissett passes that test. So easy one for me. Totally fair. Totally fair. It's funny thinking about the the offensive piece. Quarterback-wise, I'm trying to think of, you know, with Georgia Tech and kind of what would fit here. Um, Malik Cunningham seems like he's, he's kind of a, a similar style of quarterback as Jeff Sims. Uh, very good at running, you know, can throw the deep ball from time to time, not highly consistent. I honestly don't know if the ceiling with Malik Cunningham is a whole lot higher than what we've already seen. 
Um, and so I, I don't know if I would go that route necessarily. If, if you could give me a fully healthy pre-injury Derek King, I might go there. Um, I, I think he would be pretty fantastic. The other thing that th- this team needs would be like a Josh Downs. Um, oh, yeah. A wide receiver yeah. who can take the top off a of defense and do some things like that. Um, that's, I think, somewhere else that Georgia Tech has kind of struggled here early on, that having a weapon like that – and by the way – they recruited Josh Downs. Uh, they they tried to get him, but you know North Carolina ended up winning that signature. So, um, probably Josh Downs on offense, if anything, uh, if I had to say. And then defensively, I'm trying to think of like a particularly good like lockdown corner. Uh, Georgia Tech's defensive line could probably use a little bit of help if you had a, a pretty dominant pass rusher, like you said, a Brian Brzee or. Um, I mean, any number of guys on Clemson's team, Xavier Thomas, uh, any of those guys. I, I think they're okay at linebacker, especially the last couple of weeks, what we've seen from Charlie Thomas. So I, I think if you had a, a real lockdown corner, um, think of Jalen Ramsey from from Florida State there a few years ago. Like someone like that, I, I think that would go a really long way. Um, as far as a name here, um, I I would have normally said like a Tony Grimes, but I was also talking trash about how he's been kind of underwhelming <laughs> on, on our show recently. So take Jermaine Waller. Yeah, Jermaine Waller. There take you go. Jermaine yeah, Waller. Jermaine Waller has been really good for Virginia Tech, uh, and not just this year, but in recent years as well. So uh, let's go, Jermaine Waller for Georgia. There Tech. you go. Sure. There you go. I gave you another really good DB. There you go. I love it. I love it. Um. So yeah. So thank you, Ethan. That was a, a great question and something kind of fun to think about. Uh, there, there, there are pieces in this league that like, if you really put together like an all-star team, they'd win a national title. Like there are good players. It's just, I don't know how many really complete rosters you have per se. Right. No, I agree. I mean, there's bits and pieces that are good in every single ACC team, but there's not an ACC team right now that's totally completed everywhere. We thought it was Clemson, but even Clemson had their questions coming into the year. Um, and we just thought they had enough talent to kind of get past that. Turns out through the first month of the year, that has not been the case. So. Nope. Nope. Um, also mentioned, by the way, Ethan apparently looks to be a, uh, an alumnus of Virginia. So yep. uh, go who's. I don't know about all that, but yeah. <laughs> Thank I do you. like Ethan, though. Yeah, well, yeah. Hey, shout so. out to Ethan. Thank you, man. Yeah. Uh, moving on, Mike. This one came in on Sunday from our old friend Keith Derrick. Says, well, 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 I've got questions. And we might have answers. <laughs> I don't know how good the answers are, but we'll see. Yep. Mike, he says... So who do you think is making it to the playoffs now that Clemson is out of the picture? Do they still have a shot? I, I, no. I, yeah, no. I, I think they're they're out. No. Even if they win out from here, I think they're out. Two losses yeah. in the way that they've looked, it, it's they're done. Yeah, I I just don't see it happening. I mean the the only way for Clemson to potentially get in with two losses would be for the team that they played and lost to to still look really good the rest of the year. But if NC State looks really good the rest of the year, and we looked at their schedule last night, you know, NC State's got a few tough games left, right? But there's opportunity for NC State to go on a little bit of a run. And that would be a problem for Clemson because if NC State is too good, Clemson doesn't make it to the conference championship game. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's only – and you can't really – losing 10-3 to in the opener at Georgia – you know, there's no such thing as a as a good loss, uh, especially. I, I mean, there is such thing as a good loss. I mean, we talked about kind of at the beginning of the year where it's like, all right, they lost to Georgia ten to three. Will this really impact them in the playoff? Probably not. 
But that was then, this is now, and Clemson has looked horrific on offense ever since outside the South Carolina State game. So now we ask the question, if Clemson was a one-loss team, would they even get in? And the answer to me is just would have been yes if they looked better, probably not if they didn't. Now they have two losses, which all but eliminates them. Long and short of it is Clemson's not in the picture anymore, and who do I think will make the playoffs out of the ACC? It's going to have to be a one-loss NC State or an undefeated Wake or you know a undefeated or one-loss Coastal team, of which, now that I think about it, is there an undefeated Coastal team left? I don't think so. Is there? I, I don't believe there is, Mike. It is so, September 27th, and there is no longer an undefeated team in the Coastal Division. Yes. So it's going to have to realistically be one loss NC State, you know, with the one loss being to Mississippi State, which I think people will forgive them for on the road, or undefeated Wake Forest. That would be the ACC representatives. As far as nationally, because I think Keith was talking about the ACC, but nationally, when I look at it, I, I think through the first month, I mean, Oregon out of the Pac-12, I think, has a pretty good case. Mm-hmm. I think they have one of the best wins in college football so far this year. Mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. obviously, Alabama being undefeated and beating Florida on the road in the Swamp is another really good win. You can rival that with Oregon's win at the Horseshoe against Ohio State. So I think those two teams certainly have a really good opportunity. Out of the Big Ten, I mean, I haven't been too overly uh, excited about watching Ohio State play, but I think Penn State's looked pretty good mm-hmm. through the first month. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a team to watch in the Big Ten. Michigan is certainly a team to watch in the Big Ten. Uh, they've played pretty well offensively. They survived a test against Rutgers this past week, but I think by and large they've looked pretty good. Michigan State's another team in the Big Ten that's looked good, so – I think you'll have a team out of the Big Ten. It just might not be Ohio State, which is kind of weird to say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then out of the Big 12, I mean, I'm not too convinced Oklahoma's getting through that schedule unscathed. Nope. So Texas already has a pretty big loss to Arkansas. Right. It's right. We're going we're gonna to hit it's, on this. Two out of the SEC, I think, Joey. Two out of the SEC, maybe. I mean, Georgia's been great and, and Gamma. I mean, I think it's it could be two out of the SEC, one out of the Pac-12, and one out of the Big Ten, unless Cincinnati beats Notre Dame and runs the table. Uh, I think Cincinnati will have a case at 13-0. and And, I mean, if they don't get in this year, they're never getting in in the current format. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. I um, Like you said, I mean – Alabama is is the obvious default answer here. Do I think Alabama is flawless and can't fall to anybody on their schedule? No. Right. Um, but it seems like most of the teams on their schedule also have some pretty significant flaws one way or another. So it, it would be an upset for them to lose any time before the SEC championship game, I would say. Um, do I think Georgia is flawless, that they can't lose to Florida or Arkansas this weekend or maybe even Auburn and Jordan-Hare? I forget if that's in Jordan-Hare or not. Um, no, I don't, I don't think that's off the table at all. Like, I think that's possible as well. So, um, there, there is a lot of, of shuffling to be, you know, to happen here. There could be two sec teams. There might only be one that makes sense at the end of the year. Um, Oregon, I think has been pretty impressive so far, but they, they need to show a level of consistency to be sure. I mean, they, they kind of messed around with a really bad Arizona team this weekend, uh, but if you win out, I mean, like you said, they've got the best win of, of you know maybe across the country so far this year. 
going into the horseshoe of beating Ohio State. So, um, I, I mean, if they keep winning, even at 12-1 and one or something, if you win the Pac-12, Oregon's in, I think. Um, so I, Yeah, I, I think so, too. It's, it's going to be nice seeing something a little different. And Oregon's made it before, but it's been a while at least. Um, right. I'm really not convinced that anybody's coming out of the Big 12 unless maybe like either no. either Oklahoma either has to like really turn a corner or they're going to lose a couple games. Um, yeah. Or Texas needs to really turn it up and, and make everyone forget about that Arkansas loss. So uh, that's either of those is possible, but it's it's kind of a cloudy outlook at this point. And then I've yeah. also been I've also been really pretty unimpressed with Ohio State lately um, to, yeah. to start this year, and I I'm excited at the thought that maybe Penn State is able to pull it out and, and make it to the playoff for the first time. That would be an exciting changeup. But it, if nothing else, Mike, I'm I'm happy that we're going to have some some shuffling and some some changeup, something different at the top of the sport come the end of the year. <laughs> and I, I haven't I didn't mention with the Big Ten Iowa. Now they got some questions on offense, but their defense is elite elite. Yeah, and that's okay. The Big Ten is loaded this year, and it's there's a pretty good chance they have a representative that's not named Ohio State. They have five of the top twenty teams in the rankings right now: number yeah. four Penn State, number five Iowa, number eleven Ohio State, number fourteen Michigan, and number seventeen Michigan State. Um, things going pretty well in the Big Ten. Yes, so for sure. But I, I'm with you too, and thinking that you are uh, you're kind of sitting pretty right now because you got a nice little ticket on. Cincinnati to make the uh, to make the playoff I do that's going pretty well so far it's going pretty well and they have a big game in South Bend this weekend that they were always going to have to win regardless of how Notre Dame was playing and Notre Dame is starting to get right a bit defensively offensively it's still kind of a a week-to-week thing a lot of upside there but this was a game that Cincinnati absolutely had to win and I think the good news for Cincinnati is if you win this game I don't think Folks are looking, folks nationally anyway, are looking at Notre Dame like they were even a couple weeks ago, where they were saying, you know what, Notre Dame is just not the same team this year. I mean, folks saying that coming into this game against Cincinnati, to the extent of it going beyond, oh, Notre Dame's not a playoff team, was not good for Cincinnati optically, you know? And I don't think anybody's saying Notre Dame's a playoff team, but I don't think anybody's saying Notre Dame is going to lose like four or five games now either, which was something that people thought after ND struggled on the road in Tallahassee and then everybody saw Florida State lose the following week to an FCS school. You and I were talking about, oh, Notre Dame might be secretly fraudulent, but, you know, played better defensively against Purdue. I, I get that the score, they beat a good Wisconsin team, you know, in, in a neutral site game this past weekend. The score indicates blowout. It was not a blowout, but you do also need to give Notre Dame credit for the way they played in the fourth quarter too. So it's mm-hmm. defensively, Notre Dame is certainly getting better uh, offensively, there's a bit of a ceiling there. But if Cincinnati goes into South Bend and wins that game, you know, there's not a single game the rest of the year where Cincinnati is not going to be favored. And shoot, as we're recording right now, Cincinnati is even favored this weekend going on the road to South Bend. So, uh, you know, I think Cincinnati has a great chance to run the table. And I think at 13-0 and with wins over Indiana, win over Notre Dame, in South Bend, both of those games on the road, I, I think you almost have to put them in. And if you don't, it's... A, going to cost me some money, but B, also going to be a shame that we can't give Cincinnati their due for being a really good football team. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, To answer Keith's other question, does another team from the ACC make it to the playoff this year? I'm going to say no. Um, I say no, too. If if NC State wins out and goes 12-1, and yeah, they they should make it, I think. Yeah. Yep. It's just 
I don't know that anybody else in this conference other than Clemson has has the roster that is needed to to go like 12 and 0, you know, 12 and 1 something like that. Like yeah. It's it is so hard to win games week after week after week, Mike, and it, and this is a conference that just feels like they're they're ready to cannibalize each other a little bit and yes. Someone's going to win this conference at like 10 and 3 probably. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. And and the the thing too is you know, we made our jokes in the recap about, you know, Wake Forest, here comes Wake. And I think Wake's a good football team, but I think Wake is also, like, they don't have the roster. NC State, I think, has has the roster where if they got on a run and they went 12-1, and one, you look at that roster and you say, okay, maybe this team can compete in a college football playoff game. Now, they would be yeah. an underdog, but I think that would be a more enticing option for the ACC than Wake Forest. I think Wake Forest would be a better story than NC State, certainly. Yeah. But I think yeah. NC State would, top to bottom, have the better roster on, But when we're talking about both sides of the football. I would love to look back on 2021 in 10 years and be like, remember that one year that Wake Forest made the playoff? Oh. Like, incredible. I would be here for it. I would Absolutely. be here for it. But they got to show us something. It's been kind of a soft schedule so far. So yeah. got to show us something. It'll get tougher. It'll get tougher. Yep. A couple other questions from Keith. Uh, will Florida State win two games this year? If you're setting it over <laughs> under at two, I I mean, I would – Mike, I'm doing it again. I'm going to lean over be- – I just – are we really going to do this the whole season with Florida State? Like, are they really not going to get any better and not look competitive and – like really? Are we really not going to do that the whole year with Florida friggin' State? I mean, show me the three wins. I, again, like if I'm not saying that Florida State in this current state today would win more than two games left on their schedule. I'm more just thinking again. Maybe I've been hoodwinked, bamboozled, all that by this coaching staff into thinking that they know what they're doing. I just. Like Florida State is going to be better in in a month, month and a half than they are right now, aren't they? Well, yeah, I mean, I I think so, I think so. But I look at the schedule, and even with the uncertainty in the ACC, I mean, Florida State's playing some teams that have actually played decent football, or at least have somewhat of an identity, right? I mean, so we will about Syracuse. I mean, you and I have made fun of Syracuse endlessly on this podcast. We've also said that they have played well in the first month of the year. Now, again, against lesser competition, Florida State should win that game at home against Syracuse on Saturday. They should. They should. Um, You're going on the road to North Carolina. I mean, Carolina's got their issues, but Florida State, I'm not sure, is good enough to expose them right now. And UMass is one of the worst teams in the FBS, so you better beat UMass. At Clemson, I mean, again, Clemson's had their issues, but they're not losing to Florida State. NC State, we just talked about them in a playoff context. If we're having to pick one team out of the ACC, you could make it. Miami, yeah, Miami's had issues, but you're telling telling me that Miami's not favored on on a neutral field right now? Well, it's not – I mean, it's not on a neutral field. It's at Doak Campbell, and it's six, seven weeks from now. You've got some practice time, some development time. Like, between that and then – at BC the following week. I mean, if again, if this team is is improving a little bit week over week, by then, can they win those games? M- maybe. I think Florida State can win two games. I think they're going two and ten. Wow. 
I, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I think that's probably right. I, I just what a time to be alive, Mike. Yeah, w- Wake I Forest think going to the Syracuse. playoffs. Florida State <laughs> going two and ten. <laughs> just bizarro world. <laughs> it is. I think Florida State beats Syracuse, and I think they beat UMass on the 23rd of October, and I think they don't win a game for the rest of the year. That's my prediction. Florida State, a four and a half point home favorite this weekend against Syracuse. We will talk about that on the preview. <laughs> Uh, last thing, Mike, from Keith, Derek, do you regret anything you said before the first game of the season? Every week. Hmm. Like what? Examples. Picking Miami to win the Coastal. <laughs> Picking Miami to win the Coastal, and that's just the start. Um, thinking that, me thinking that Florida State would win seven games is up there. Uh, oh, me talking about how Syracuse and Duke wouldn't win six games between the two of them. That's not looking so hot, huh? I think they might already be there. They're there. That is correct. They're there. My Duke under three and a half wins bet, not looking so hot. What else? Oh, can we talk about a couple things I feel good about? UNC under nine and a half wins, feeling pretty good about that. They just got to lose one more time. Yeah. Uh, uh, what else? Oh, Clemson, far and away. Declaring Clemson far and away the best team in the ACC. I mean, I don't regret saying things like that because that that just stood to reason. Again, you look at the roster and you look at the track record and like all these things. It was like, yeah, well, of course they're still going to be the best team. Who 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 would possibly unseat them? It's like, yeah, I feel like what yeah. we've seen from Clemson this year, it's been so problematic. Has was not something you really could have seen coming, at least to the degree that it has totally plagued them. Well, that's true, but you know, if I'm going to sit here and say that. You know, North Carolina is going to have issues bringing in new talent, breaking them in. I should have said the same thing about Clemson. The reason why I didn't is because I trust Dabo. Which, which, I mean, I'll die. I'll, I'll die with that ship. Is it a big regret? No, but I should have seen maybe not it being this bad. Maybe I should have seen that coming, but seeing some regression, I shouldn't be too surprised about. I'm curious to see what the conversation turns into surrounding Tony Elliott as their offensive it's bad. <laughs> I mean, it's not good right now. He's a guy who's been looked at as a pretty hot coaching candidate for two to three cycles now. Um, I remember when there, there was some a couple of reports surrounding him possibly being in on the Georgia Tech job when they hired Jeff Collins. Um, and, and his name has come up for some pretty big jobs recently. And now he's running a unit that has looked just completely dysfunctional and, and disorganized and had all sorts of issues. So I don't know if he'll get that ship righted or if maybe something really changed when Jeff Scott left and went to USF. And now Tony's trying to build, build this thing up from the ground again with some new pieces and something's just not translating. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. There's something going on there. And I, I mean, I think we got to see a bigger sample size, but I don't think this is a Tony Elliott thing. I don't, I've seen two, I've seen too many good Clemson offenses run by Tony Elliott to think that this is just entirely a Tony Elliott issue. I mean, I think it's a little bit of everything. I think the offensive line's been bad, quarterback's been bad, play calling, sure. Like sometimes play calling's not great, but when nobody's executing, it's you know, the offensive coordinator is always gonna look bad. Right. So. No, yeah, it's I don't want to completely absolve Tony of of you know, it's not like this is just totally separate from him. Like the play calling right. and the game game plans have not not really been great so far um 
but it is much more than just him. Like the, yeah. the way that a lot of the guys on the on the team are playing, uh, you know, they wouldn't make a whole lot of offensive coordinators look good, even if you did have good game plans and play calling and all that. So it's it's kind of a confluence of everything for sure. Yep. So shout out to Keith Derrick for that question. That was very good. Uh, the and by the way, my biggest regret probably at this point. Again, I feel like I've been a little bit hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray by the North Carolina coaching staff. Uh-huh. Because as as you alluded to or just very directly said on our week four recap, uh, that's not a very well-coached team right now, Mike. And, no. And I, I felt like I saw a level of building from what Larry Fedora left there after 2018 into 2019 and into 2020 that I felt like this was the year that you were going to see it all kind of start to come together. And... In, instead, like it is, something's fallen apart a little bit here. Um, it, North Carolina's looked pretty bad in two of their three games against FBS teams, or I guess Power Five teams, we'll say. Um, again, maybe maybe something with Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech. You know, I think uh, your brother-in-law and friend of the show, Scott, said something. You know, maybe UNC just has a tech problem, um, some technical difficulties, if you will. But <laughs> I, I mean. I don't know. This seems like this is something that's going to kind of keep plaguing him, and this might be a, a recurring coaching issue for sure. Yeah, I think we're going to see Carolina lose at least one more time, maybe twice. At least at least at this pace, for sure. Uh, thank you, Keith Derrick, for your questions. Uh, lastly, from Shane, says, Hey, guys, first off, thank you to Mike for taking a stand against Joey's Florida State problem. I was trying Pause. to... Pause. Yeah. And then what happened, Joey? Uh, it's worked out for all involved that I have well, uh, checked out of this Florida State team. Well, well, yes, but I picked Florida State money line immediately <laughs> after declaring that we were not a Florida State podcast anymore. This this podcast is like infected. I, I don't really know. I don't know if there's any uh, save in the body at this point. Might just need to. Uh, anyways. I was trying to figure out how to stage a listener intervention to save Joey from Florida State. Uh, that would have been pretty great. So thank you, Shane. Yeah. Uh, says podcast favorite the Bowling Green Falcons <laughs> triumphed over Minnesota this week serious question who finishes the regular season with more wins the Bowling Green Falcons <laughs> or Florida State <laughs> and Mike I would just have to tell you Bowling Green has a two game head start on Florida State they do they've won two more games in Florida State and depending on how you think we should have answered the last question about Florida State probably dictates whether or not you think Bowling Green wins more games. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say push and cop out because I'm not sure Bowling Green wins a game the rest of the year. And I'm going to say that Florida State wins two games. Also a push on the last question, asking if Florida State wins plus or minus two games. So that's where I'm at. I think they both equal two games each, four between the two of them. I think that's where we're going to be at. Mike, I got to be real honest with you here. Give me Bowling Green. <laughs> Give me the Falcons. <laughs> Bowling Green, like, maybe not as putrid bad this year as we, we've we seen them in recent years. And once again, it's it's crazy what good things it can do for your defense to fire Brian Van Gorder. <laughs> uh, they've got stuff left on the schedule here that they could they could win some games, go like three and nine, four and eight, something like that. Yep. So I, give me Bowling Green. I think they've got a better shot again with a two-game head start than, uh, than anything Florida State has. There we go. There I mean... Go. I mean, I can't believe it's come to that for Florida State, but it has. Once again, bizarro world. Uh, so as Shane then asks, who's the best team in the ACC and why is it Wake Forest? 
I think it's NC State. They're gonna they're gonna have a chance to play each other, and NC State has had some weird times in Winston Salem, if I'm not mistaken. So you know, we're gonna get a chance to find out, and who's the best team on that day versus who's the best team all season might be different answers. But I mean, Wake Forest has as good a, a resume as anybody right now in the ACC. Yeah, I think it's I think the two are NC State and Wake Forest. Like I've mentioned, I'm high on both of them, and I think we'll just see it play out on the field and see where it lands. I think. NC State, probably a little bit more talented. I think Wake Forest, probably a little bit better coached. So that's where we're at. Although my better coached theory is maybe being hung out to dry a bit because Dave Doran just got one of the biggest wins of his tenure this past weekend. So Mm -hmm. who's to say? (laughs) Who's to say? Uh, Yeah, sure. I guess give me the Deeks since I am the resident NC State hater. But yeah. I mean, NC State has a pretty good uh, claim to it right now as well. So, the funny thing about this is, since you became more vocal about your hate for NC State, they've started playing a lot better football. So maybe you're just the good luck charm for NC State indirectly. You're welcome, Wolfpack. You're welcome. Yes, I mean you were you were banging that drum in the off season before COVID. You were banging the drum saying, "When we when are we done with this NC State?" And NC State goes out and plays the most consistent football in the COVID year of any team in the ACC for whatever that's worth, but. They've, uh, they've taken that and they've expanded upon that. And now they're playing really well in a year that's not directly affected by COVID. So here we are. It's a weird feeling being wrong sometimes, Mike. And, and I say sometimes. It's only been once. It was only on that. Um, yeah. I've mostly been right on everything else. Yeah, not, not, to, yeah, not to make you feel bad. I've come up with plenty of horrible takes. <laughs> the Miami winning the Coastal is pretty significantly flawed, I think, to put it nicely. <laughs> that is one way of putting it. Uh, last question from Shane has Jeff Collins saved his job yet. And, um, no, not fully, not fully. And, and I mean, look, I I tweeted something out Saturday night where I retweeted my, uh, my story from a few weeks ago saying that we were in the end game of the Jeff Collins era. And I, I tweeted that out saying reports of Jeff Collins demise may have been a little bit exaggerated. Uh, and I, you know, if the team keeps playing like this and shows that the the Northern Illinois game was the outlier of the season, he's going to be just fine. They're going to win enough games. Like he he will be here for at least two more years. Um, you know there will be no issues surrounding Jeff Collins if they keep playing like this. The big trick to me again, Mike, though, is just can they show that consistency from week to week? I don't know. I I haven't seen it yet, and if I if I start seeing it. I'll have no further questions. I will be fully supportive of Jeff Collins as Georgia Tech's football coach. Yeah, I, it's very, uh, like any team in the ACC, I think Georgia Tech is very week to week, if only because I think they're, well, the guy who I presume is a starting quarterback again, Jeff Sims, can be very week to week himself. <laughs> very high ceiling, a lot of upside, but we've seen what happens when he turns the football over. Mm-hmm. We've seen the offense as a whole, just even outside of Jeff Sims or whoever's commanding the offense that given week at quarterback outside of that, we've seen times where Georgia tech just simply doesn't execute the correct offensive game plan. Or if they do, they don't do it consistently for four quarters. Right. So mm-hmm. um, now they've gotten better at that over the last few weeks. Certainly uh, Kennesaw state counts. It's a win, yeah. right? Um, the Clemson game, even though Georgia tech lost, the offensive game plan I thought was executed well. They were just beaten by a very good defense, essentially. 
And then we saw what Georgia Tech was able to do against a North Carolina team that was everybody's media darling coming into the year. So, I mean, Georgia Tech's had back-to-back really good showings. And, you know, I, I think that if they're able to continue on the trajectory they've been on the last few weeks, I think a lot of people are going to start to forget about the games like the Citadel, the games like Northern Illinois. Um, you never and you forget, could chalk like, it up. You never forget. You chalk it up, but I'll tell you what, you're in year three and you chalk it up to, hey, we were still we were st- still rebuilding and this is what it's going to look like in year four. We looked at the schedule on paper, Joey. If Georgia Tech's able to make a bowl game, what did we say before the year? We said it would be an unqualified success if oh, they yeah. make a bowl game schedule. Oh, and I'll, have, even even with everything that has happened in the ACC and even having lost the Northern yeah. Illinois game, all that stuff, if you make a bowl game this year, still right now, as we talk about this on September 27th, if you make a bowl game this year, I have no issues. This is a, right. a successful season. I am excited about the direction of the program. We're in good shape. Yep, and Georgia Tech is right back in that conversation of making a bowl game. They are. I mean, they're two and they're two and two. And after the Northern Illinois game, we said what? No chance, right? So no shot. This is going to bottom out. This is going to be ugly. They're going to win like three or four games. Not mm-hmm. going to be good. They could still win three or four games, Joey, but I don't think it's going to bottom out. No, no, I don't think so. Um, and again, it's 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 a little bit of Georgia Tech showing a level of competence that we hadn't really seen over the last two three weeks um, on a kind of consistent basis. But it's also looking at what's happened to the competition and, and how inconsistent and underwhelming a lot of them have been. So it's it's kind of a combo of things. But either way, make a bowl game. No further questions. I, I, I'm happy with it. Um, we'll, we'll just have to see and if I they still get there. Think, and I still think even you know Georgia Tech going one and one over the last two weeks, I still think you can look at them and say, you know what, they've played – they've been one of the teams that's played the most consistently over the past two weeks. Yeah. So yeah. keep that going. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll see if they can. Mike, that's all we got on listener questions. Shout out to Shane, Keith, and Ethan. Uh, thank you guys so much for writing those in. We uh, we love getting to answer these when we get a chance to, and uh, it, it's great having the interaction with the listeners. So thank you guys for uh, for writing those in and, and letting us know. Uh, Mike, you want to take a couple minutes and just kind of talk about where the ACC stands? Yes. I, do you have a? Do you know where you want to start here, or and I guess just generally what we're talking about is that the ACC has caught a lot of criticism in the national media so far this year, and and we've talked about how they've struggled in out of conference games. You know, there was half the conference has now lost a uh, an out of conference game that they were favored in. Um, just so it's it's been what's called a quote unquote down year for the ACC. I mean, are you down on the conference at all, or is this? Can you make sense of all this? Thanks a little too early. It's a little too early. So my overall evaluation of the conference is that the three teams that everybody thought was going to be really good aren't. So nationally, the perception is uh, the ACC just simply might not be any good then, which is a fine narrative if you aren't paying attention to the rest of the conference week in and week out, which a lot of national people don't. So, okay, fine. Broad brush, probably a little bit unfair. When you look at it, like you see a team like Wake Forest, and when I look at the timeline on Friday night, I think Wake Forest doing what they did to Virginia was really good for the ACC because there were a lot of national college football media folks who were looking at that game on Friday night and watching it because it was one of the few games on television and looking at that game and saying, wow, look at Wake Forest. Wake Forest might be pretty good because national media has a lot of respect for Bronco Mendenhall and what he's done at Virginia. Why? I don't know. I mean, he's he's built a fine program at UVA by UVA standards and he's a well-respected coach. 
But UVA hasn't exactly lit the world on fire since he's gotten there. He, he got to the Orange Bowl. He, he had the one year, obviously, Bryce Perkins got to the Orange Bowl. They were really good two seasons ago. But other than that, it's been kind of up and down. But Bronco Mendenhall is a very well-respected coach. So when national media sees Wake Forest dismantling Virginia on national TV on Friday night, they're saying, oh, my God, look at Wake. That was great for the ACC. Mm-hmm. And not because Virginia lost. We can make Virginia losing jokes all night. Uh, but th- that's, not, that's not it. It's because Wake Forest is now undefeated. They win by three touchdowns on the road at Scott Stadium, right? And they look like they have a really good quarterback and a very competent offense. That's fun. And Clawson, like you mentioned in the recap, Joey, it's getting a little bit more attention for the offense he's putting together and for the coach that he has, for the coach that he is and the staff that he has. So that was really good. You know what else was really good? Liberty. Really good team last year, right? Malik Willis. Everybody talks about him being a really good team. A really good quarterback on a really good team. They lost to Syracuse, Joey, mm-hmm. on the same night. There wasn't a lot of football on. Syracuse, nobody's going to argue that Syracuse is a really good football team. I don't think anybody thinks that, but they look a bit more confident than we thought going into the year. And everybody saw Syracuse beat a Liberty team that is commanded by one of the better quarterbacks in college football and a coach in Hugh Freeze that garners attention whether you like it or not. And he's a good football mind, right? But nobody's arguing that. He, he can coach football. He can coach some ball. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And some other stuff. So... <laughs> I think that the, and then NC state doing what they did to Clemson, that was more of Clemson. That that was not as much as Clemson being inept as NC state, just putting out a really good performance too. And we don't want to take anything away from NC state. We talked about that in the recap. So sure. The traditional powers like a Miami or a Virginia tech or a North Carolina or a Clemson, they haven't been all that good, but the NC states, the wakes, the bottom feeders in the ACC who weren't supposed to be good, Syracuse, and, and they still might not be good. Syracuse, right? Duke. Like, some of these teams are playing better football. But then let, for all of that, can we just let the Pittsburgh, record? Back school, you got, you know, there's a lot of that stuff going on. You got yeah. Georgia Tech losing to NIU. Yeah. So, jury's still out. It's early. Can, can we let the record show that it was Mike and not me that grouped in? NC State with the quote unquote bottom feeders of the ACC, Wake Forest, no, no, Duke, no. and Syracuse. No, 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 no. Oh, no, no. I'm talking about Syracuse and Duke. Fair enough. Not Fair NC enough. State. Not NC State. <laughs> We're not that far away from having labeled NC State as the bar. Keep that in mind. Um, <laughs> That's true. You know, there's a couple of these spots, Mike, where, for instance, the way that Miami lost to Michigan State the like the way that Pittsburgh lost to Western Michigan. Um, there's a couple of these situations where it just, and we've, we've alluded to this a little bit is like, there have been some coaching situations that have stuck around in the ACC for a long time without really seeming like they're building towards anything or like doing a whole lot. Um, that Pittsburgh lost to Western Michigan is like really stuck with me is, is like, what are we doing here? Um, I mean, you're in year, what, seven under Narduzzi and we, we've talked about him and we had a great, uh, we had a great listener uh, contribution during the preseason kind of surrounding him and that job. But it's just like, you can't be losing that game in year seven. And, and I mean, some of the things that have plagued that team that have hardly ever gotten resolved. I mean, it's time for a change there. Like in, yeah. in Miami, how did you, you know, get into this spot that you're in? 
Well, maybe it started by not really having a proper coaching search three years ago. Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't have gone and gotten the guy who had been a head coach for all of 10 days and had never been the head coach on a sideline or anything like that. I blame, I blame Miami for that, but only to a point because of when the coaching change happened. You know? Like, <sighs> I, I was talking to Cam about this. I refuse to believe that Manny Diaz would have been like top three in Miami's coaching search had Mark Richt left the program at a more opportune time. I mean, yeah, I guess that was uh, you know a couple of days before New Year's, so it was kind of late in the coaching cycle. Because yeah, I guess at that point Jeff Collins had already been hired by Georgia Tech because that was who Diaz went to go replace at Temple. He was there for like two weeks and then got hired back to Miami. So. Yeah, the timing wasn't great, but it also felt like he was like the very first guy that they went to and, and dialed in on, and that was just you're you're still Miami, you know, you're still the U, and you still have history and location and all that stuff to where you could have had a more a more elaborate coaching search, even if you wouldn't have necessarily had like the cream of the crop candidates available. You still could have gotten, I think, someone better than Manny Diaz and what he had to offer at that point in time. Yep. Um, That's fair. So there's that. Florida State has had this just like overall program rot from inside for about five years now. Basically, ever since they had that 2017 kickoff weekend game against Alabama where uh, DeAndre Francois broke his leg, I believe, and was out for the year, and they had to go to James Blackman. It has been a slow, steady, downward trajectory ever since, and it's it's going to take some time. Like I, I'm not even certain that we've hit the bottom yet with what Florida state is going to be. And like, I realize that we're talking trash about like, you can't go Owen four at Florida state to start the year. It hadn't happened since the seventies, like all that stuff. But like turning over the coaching staff again, I don't know if that helps anything. No. So I don't know. I guess I just, there, there's a few of these individual situations that can all be kind of explained. I don't know that there's necessarily anything wrong with the conference at large. It is really, jo though, just, you know, Justin Fuente is in, what, year six, year seven at Virginia Tech? Uh, year six, yep. That's sort of meh, like, at best at this point. Um, you've got Pat Narduzzi, who's just sort of been hanging around at Pittsburgh. Um, I keep trying to think through it, you know, but there's just, there's some of these situations that it's like, maybe it's time for a new voice and something fresh, and maybe they'll be able to get some more results out of some of these programs that, really 10 years ago would have been something a little more noteworthy, a little more top towards the top of, uh, of the country in terms of football output. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that, uh, the middle of the, the middle of the conference right now, which is traditionally NC state, Pittsburgh, Virginia tech, Georgia tech, like that's generally the middle of the conference right now. Over the last like 10 Wait, years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not talking like last year or two. I'm talking like traditionally last like ten years or so. It's been like those five or six teams, and you got a couple of teams from the middle of the conference stepping up. But you have, you know, teams that nationally everybody thought were elite dropping backwards. Well, Clemson being the elite team, North Carolina being a really good team, Miami on paper being a really good team. Like those teams are underwhelming pretty significantly through September. I mean, we thought that Clemson could lose the opener to Georgia. You know, nobody, you know, when that happened, 
neither you nor myself was shocked. I mean, we previewed that game. We both picked Clemson to win, but we said we were staying away from actually betting on it because there were a lot of questions there. Mm-hmm. And that didn't surprise us. Clemson losing to NC State was, you know, going into the year was not something that we saw happening. We thought that was a tougher game on Clemson's schedule, but not one that they wouldn't be able to handle. Clemson almost needing overtime to beat Georgia Tech? Not something we anticipated. Yeah, exactly. Uh, North Carolina, like losing to Virginia Tech in the opener. A surprise, but probably not a huge surprise, given where the line was and national media started pivoting towards Virginia Tech the week of the game, which we talked about on this podcast for as down as Virginia Tech was. We talked about how there was like this weird pivot in the national media saying, yeah, maybe Virginia Tech can pull this off. So when it happened, it wasn't a huge surprise. North Carolina then losing pretty hand, pretty significantly and having their asses handed to them by Georgia Tech, pretty surprising. Mm-hmm. Pretty surprising. So that stuff, a pit losing to, um, I'm just kidding. Pit, 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 pit lose games out of conference all the time. But losing to a, seriously, they're losing to Western Michigan in the MAC after beating Tennessee on the road in Knoxville. Come on now. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. not good. You, you went into an SEC stadium a week earlier and beat them. Like, and that was, you know, probably one of the three best out of conference wins at this point that the conference has on its resume. Right. right. And you turn around and lose to a, Really underwhelming Western Michigan team at home. Uh, just, oh, that really bugs me. Yeah. So Anyways. it's the jury. The jury's out. I mean, the ACC is down in that it's going to be hard to get a playoff team for sure. But I think the the plus side of this is there's going to be a handful of ACC teams that are actually going to turn out to be pretty good this year. Now, whether or not it's because the other teams suck or whether or not those teams are actually good in and of themselves, I think kind of remains to be seen, which is why I think it's too early to just write the obituary for the ACC as a whole this year. I think there can still be some good football being played. by. It's just going to be from some teams that we didn't necessarily expect. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where, keep in mind as we go through this season, a good record and a good team are not necessarily like a one-to-one you know, all, one always follows the other. Like mutually exclusive. Yeah, I mean, keep in mind, like yeah. SP Plus a couple of years ago had Notre Dame as like a top thirty team when they went four and eight. They had a right. terrible record. There's also yep. been years where we we've seen, you know, Virginia Tech go nine and three and actively talked about them on this podcast is like this is one of the worst nine win teams I've ever seen. You know, like right. So it, just having a good record and I mean, you play these games, someone's got to win them, someone's got to lose them. Miami, twenty seventeen. Yeah. Yeah. They were what? 10, I mean, they, they finished 10 and one in the regular season. We were like, this is not a 10 win quality team. They're, they're not good. Yeah. They, the only, the only loss they had, I guess they were 11 and one. The only loss they had was Pitt, and then they lost to Clemson and then they lost to Wisconsin in the orange bowl. Crazy. <laughs> so they ended up losing the last three games. So it's like, and they, they beat Notre Dame. They beat Virginia tech at home. So that was a Virginia tech team that in 2017 won nine games. So that was seen as a pretty good win at the time. And Notre Dame, was one year removed from the four and eight year, but their name was looking like they were in a much better situation because they were, mm-hmm. but that Miami team we knew was a little bit fraudulent because of how they were winning games and that the way they were turning teams over on defense was not sustainable. And Crazy how good you look when you're plus 31 in turnovers on the year or whatever it was. Yeah. And name that Malik was playing quarterback. Now, I'm not talking about Cunningham. Yeah. Malik Rogier. Those were days. God. Those were days. Yeah. So <laughs> there have been some good, some nationally viewed good 
in quotations, ACC teams that haven't actually been that good. Yeah. Just because you have a small number in the loss column does not a good team make necessarily. Right. So. Right. NC State last year. Whoops. <laughs> Sorry. He is at Mike McDaniel SOS on Twitter. Wolfpack fans. <laughs> Slide it in there. I'm not even the NC State hater on this podcast. I had to slide that in. <laughs> you're, uh, I think you're trying to make a run at my crown on that one. I don't know. No, I, I man, I just said NC State's going to win the conference about 20 <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs> that Give is me true. that. Those are facts. These are facts. Yeah. Mike, that's all I got. Anything else you want to hit on conference wise while we're here? I don't think so. Thank you, everybody, for the questions. Yeah. Shout out to you guys. Thank you for really, yeah, I mean, y- y'all are the reason that we're, we're doing this show. Um, so thank you so much for the questions and for the engagement. We very much appreciate it. Um, if you wanted to show us further appreciation, by the way, you can go shop at section103.com. Uh, go find yes. some Georgia Tech wear, t-shirts, hoodies, all sorts of things, performance wear, uh, men, women, and children. All those are covered there, official wordmarked clothing. It's super high quality. It's comfortable. It's it's light. It's it's just really great stuff. Shout out to section103.com. Use promo code GOACC at checkout for 10% off your first order. Very much appreciate those who have. Um, I, I've seen where several people here in the last month or so have gone and gotten things from section 103 in the, in the last, you know, for the first time. And yep. I have not heard a single word about it. Mike is wearing his Georgia Tech shirt right now as a well-noted Georgia Tech fan, Mike McDaniel. Yes. Yep. That's me. <laughs> go there it's a comfortable shirt what can i say it is they're very comfortable shirts so go there go get those use promo code GoACC and uh, support the cause at section 103.com uh, and thank you to steven really good people there so really appreciate their support mike that's all i got you want to get out of here and go preview week five yep let's do it all right well until then for mr mike mcdaniel i am joey weaver thank you guys so much for listening we will talk to you again soon about some upcoming games And until next time, go ACC.